recorder going here in case anybody wants to listen to it later. I'm looking at uh, God's power for his people. We've been uh, looking at becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. And a disciple, I think we've pretty much settled, is someone who does and acts and speaks as Jesus gave us the example to be. There's been a few times where we've maybe questioned, and you can either confirm or deny this with me, maybe questioned our ability to do what Christ is asking us to do. You know, we've looked at some things, and I know there's some things that kind of hit me between the eyes, and wow, I'm not really doing this, and, and uh, you know, can I really make the change to do this? I don't know, am I, am I alone in that? Is, <laughs> okay. And, and a lot of times, as we've been in our discussions, we've questioned, how does this apply to everyday life? You know, how can this work? And I'd like to look at God's power for his people, because I think that's something that, uh, not that we've totally missed it, but uh, we maybe have skipped over it a bit more than we should have. Uh, no no uh, <laughs> denigration to, to uh, uh, David in his teaching, but <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. You know, and, and none, one thing I've learned, I, I don't think any of us have all of the truth. Uh, you know, and this is part of the reason why we need to fellowship together and study together, uh, because God will give each one of us different insights, and the Holy Spirit will, you know, speak to us and, and teach us uh, in different ways. So, uh, you know, this is good. The fact is that we cannot do these things in our own strength. We we just cannot, and if we take that approach to it, then we're no different than the Pharisees of Christ's day. All we're doing is we're being religious. Christ calls us to that change of being born again and being brought into that personal relationship with him and gives a definition of, of eternal life in John 17, 3. This is eternal life that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And that word know in the Greek it speaks of an intimate personal relationship. And that's what God calls us to because sin has separated us from that. And Christ has, has provided for that relationship to be restored uh, in him and in his uh, death and resurrection. But we get to verses like John 14 and 12 which says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than he than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Greater works than Jesus? Really? We've been called to do greater works than Jesus? Uh, yeah, I don't think it means that we're going to do anything greater than raising somebody from the dead or providing food for 5,000 people with just one lunch. Uh, but that as we are disciples of Christ, the works would be multiplied. And greater in that sense, greater in numbers, greater in scope. 
And there are other verses that we come across, uh, like 1 Corinthians 4 and 20. If someone has, would turn to that and read it, 1 Corinthians 4 and 20. And someone else maybe can uh, turn to John 5, 26 and 27. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Just that. So often we in our Christian circles and our fellowshipping together, it's words. Can I just get him to read that again? Yeah, go ahead. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. A lot of words, verses say it does not consist in word or words, but in power. Yes, Chester. Yeah, so you said we're called to do greater works than Christ. <coughs> so can we do that? Like he won't be offended as disciples, we can go out and do it? Yeah. And he'll be happy? Yes, we're called in, in John uh, uh, chapter 15, he said that we're to bring forth fruit and, and to bring forth much fruit for in this is my Father glorified and I have not, you have not called me, but I have called you and ordained you that you should bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And uh, we're, we're called to, to do that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says that we are ambassadors of Christ. And we're to go in Christ's stead. We're to represent Christ. We're to be Him here on earth, wherever we are. That's what we're called to. But doing His power and giving Him the glory. That's right. Oh, of course. Of course. But still, that's what we're called to. And, uh, I mean, I, I have personally been, been involved in, in, I think, probably all the types of miracles that we've looked at, except for raising someone from the dead. But I definitely have you know, see, seen demons cast out and been involved in that, and, and people healed, and, and permanent healing. A few years ago, I ran into a lady I hadn't seen for 25 years. And 25 years before that, uh, or 30 years before that, uh, she was an adult, and she'd been plagued with epilepsy her whole life. And I uh, prayed for her, and she, when I saw her 25 or 30 years later, said, you know, I've never had another epileptic seizure since then. You know, so we have, we have been called to do that. But we've also been given to us what we need in power for that. And there are two types of power uh, that Christ had. Uh, would someone read John 5, 26 and 27? And someone else uh, can look up Luke 3, 21 and 22. So that's John 5, 26 and 27, and Luke 3, 21 and 22. So first John, uh, first we'll look at John 5, 26 and 27. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Okay, so Christ had authority from the Father. And the Greek word there is uh, exousia. Uh, it's the same word that we find in John chapter 1 and verse uh, 13. Uh, but as many as received him, to them gave he exousia power, some versions, authority, other versions, he gave them authority to become the, the children of God, or the sons of God. And Luke 3, 21 and 22. 
baptized too, as he was praying heaven open. Heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Okay. Now to round this out, or to finish this, we need to go into a couple more uh, verses here. Let's look at the next chapter, Luke 4, 1 and 2. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. For forty days they tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. Okay, so he was had the Holy Spirit come upon him at his baptism. And immediately the Spirit led him out into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. Now, that's not usually what we'd like to think of when we think of the of, uh, blessing of the Holy Spirit coming on us. Uh, you know, but there are things that the Holy Spirit will lead us, and this was needed for Christ to uh, be tried, even like we are tried by the temptations of the devil. And uh, his temptations, I think, were far greater than, than at least anything I faced. And uh, he, under the Spirit's uh, direction and power and by the Word of God, uh, overcame those temptations. And then uh, that same chapter, Luke 4, 14, and someone else can look up verse 36. Luke 4, 14, and then verse 26. Or 36, sorry, verse 36. Jesus returned in Galilee in the power of the Spirit. News about his through the whole countryside. Okay, so we see him continuing on in the power of the Spirit. And verse 36. And amazement came upon them all, and they began talking with one another, one another, saying, What is this message? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. Okay. <laughs> In both of these, we have power referred to, and the Greek word there is dunamis, which means power, might, force, ability. And uh, it's the word that has transformed into our English word dynamite. Uh, you know, speaking of, of power uh, to be able to, to accomplish things. Uh, of course, dynamite is, is uh, usually destructive power or uh, sometimes a destruction to be able to proceed with further construction. But it, there's power there that is outside the normal capacity of, of people, and even more so with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 36, we see actually both of those words used for with power, with authority and power. So Christ had exousia and dunamis, authority and power, to do these miracles. And uh, would someone read uh, Acts 10 and 38? I got an unto Jesus the man with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You know, a lot of people think Christ performed these miracles because he was God. He was able to perform these miracles. 
But Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he laid aside his attributes of godhood, took on the form of man, became a servant, and he had to, he had to learn the way we learn. You know, he didn't, he didn't start out walking perfectly. He probably toddled and fell. And, you know, the, he went through the different stages of development. He had to learn about God. And, and as he grew in the knowledge of God, he also grew in the knowledge that God had sent him as, as a savior. And when he went out, he didn't go out in his own power, but we've seen here that he went out in the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit that he did this. And he calls us to do the same. Uh, would someone read Luke 10, 19? Jesus is speaking here to his disciples as he's sending them out to do his work. Before that, Peter was still thinking about the vision. Uh, Luke, Luke 10, 19, sorry. Luke 10, 19. You're in Acts. Oh, I'm in Acts. Okay, go ahead. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Okay, so we've been given authority to come against the works of Satan and power uh, that the enemy has, that the power that God gives is far greater. And uh, you, know, you may recall that, that uh, in Matthew chapter 16, when Christ asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Peter said, you're, you're the son of God, you're the Messiah. He said, you know, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, we often, I've heard people talking about, you know, translating that or interpreting that as the gates of hell coming against our gates. But that's not what he's saying here. See, the gates of hell, which means all of the fortresses of the enemy, the people that he has trapped in sin and is destroying their lives, his church is to come against those gates and set people free. Bring them to to Jesus Christ and to salvation in him. Let's look at John 14, verses 16 to 20. John 14, verses 16 to 20. And I will pray pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and will be in you. So far? Uh, To 20. Okay. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live. You will live also. That at that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So what is Christ promising here? We're all connected. Well, I guess that's implicit there, but what is he, what is he, what is the promise that he's giving here? We're not going to be on our own. He's not going to leave us as, as orphans. Yep. We have authority. Yes. But what form is that going to take? Because he's leaving. Yet he says, I'm going to be with you. 
the Holy Spirit. And the word here that he uses in the Greek, there's two Greek words for another. If I was to hold up a tunie and, and a nickel, this is one coin and this is another coin. But that's not the Greek word that's used here. I'd have to take out another tunie and say this is one tunie and this is another tunie. They have the same characteristics, they have the same qualities, they will both do the same thing. And that's what Christ is saying here. I'm sending you another like myself who's going to be with you and who's going to help you. But is he not talking about a fellow Christian? Another Christian? Because even the disciples are sent to and to. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he says, in, he clarifies in verse 17, it's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And there's several, several passages in the gospel where Christ makes that distinction. Right now the Holy Spirit is with you, but he's going to be in you. There's going to change, a change is going to happen here. That uh, you're, you're going to have me with you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And uh, at other places, in, uh, later in the epistles especially, there's a few times where it refers to the Spirit of Christ and referring to the Holy Spirit. As we go through this, there's uh, a lot I've had to cut out. I mean, I could probably keep you here for, for a week of, of, of Friday mornings to look at this topic, but that would be I, <laughs> I would, uh, you know, I'm trying to cover some of the basic stuff here, so we may throw, I may throw in a few other things to help with any questions anybody may have. Yes, Chester. Well, he calls us to be disciples, which is, you know, the same thing as in our society, an apprentice loans under a master, for example, plumber or electrician. He learns, he becomes, then he becomes a master. Now, in that sense, we don't become little Jesuses or little gods, but we, we are united with him. Uh, we are made Christ's prayer in, in John 17. He asks the Father, that we would be made one with him and with the Father, even as the Son is one with the Father. I mean, that's, that's a tremendous thing. He has put within us in the new birth, he has put within us his nature. And that nature we see coming forth uh, in the fruit of the Spirit, which is listed in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, it really, you know, love, joy, peace, etc. 
all of that is our, our characteristics of Christ that the Holy Spirit wants to develop in us. And we're called to be made like Christ. Put off the old man and put on the new man in Christ Jesus. And our minds are to be transformed to become like him. Yes? I know we're not as pretty, I shouldn't say dangerous, but we're not to be God. We are not to be God. We are to be like him. I yep. think I'm finally understanding that. Good. <laughs> so keep on. Yeah. And, that's, and that's what he's called us to, and, and a lot of that work is done by his spirit. It's, it's done by the, work, work, the word of God working within us. Hebrews uh, 4.12, for the word of God is powerful and effective. It works within our lives as we take it in, and, but it's called the sword of the spirit. So it's the Spirit that uses that Word that gives it life within us and coupled together uh, transforms us into the image of Christ and also gives us uh, power. Uh, let's read Luke chapter 24, verses 46 to 49. Luke 24, verses 46 to that please Luke 24 46 to 49 and he said to them thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem you are witnesses of these things and behold I am sending forth the promise of my father upon you but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So for what were the disciples to wait in Jerusalem? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, and, and he adds that uh, part on the end there, uh, and you know that they will be clothed with power from on high. So it's a, it's a heavenly power. It's a power that is beyond us and uh, beyond anything that originates on earth. Let's look at Acts 2, 1 to 8. Acts 2, 1 to 8. Oops, I missed one in here. Sorry, Acts, Acts 1, verses 4 and 5. Acts 1, verses 4 and 5. <clears throat> On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father, Thomas, which you have heard me speak about. And five? For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay. So again, we have uh, the statement of the promise from the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. And we could have got a few more verses there. Uh, someone read uh, 6 and 7, possibly 8. Oh, here we are. No, that's the next one. Sorry. 6, six 7, and 8. Acts 1 still. Right? Yep, still 1, Acts 1, yep. 
Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay. Again, the promise of the Holy Spirit just before Christ left the earth. Stay there, wait. And, and this is what you're supposed to be focused on. You know, again, going back to the verse we looked at there uh, in Luke 9, 8, 10 and 19, the kingdom... Uh, or no, it wasn't 10.19. We haven't looked at that yet. Yes, we did. 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of God does not consist in word, but in power. And uh, sometimes we get caught up, especially in prophecy. And not that that should be ignored. I think it's important. But our focus is not what does the future hold. Our focus is what does Christ want now? What does Christ want now? And he says, what I want now is I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the power to be witnesses unto me, to be representatives of me, and to, to share the gospel and to make more disciples. Okay, Acts 2, 1-8. to As you said, he wants that now, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So we have to make sure that we don't learn to run before we learn to walk. That's right. <laughs> so, it's so important because sometimes we want to go ahead and do things thinking that if, if you wait on the Lord, He will let you know in your spirit. Well, we have a, a, an example of that in Acts chapter 13, starting with verse 1. Uh, the uh, disciples and some of the apostles were gathered together and they gave themselves to fasting and prayer, waiting on the Lord. And while they were doing that, the word came via the Holy Spirit through somebody there that Paul and Barnabas were to be set aside for the work that I've called them to. And uh, this was confirmed. They, they, what the, the rest of them said, yes, it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. So there was the direction of the Holy Spirit, a clear word and a confirmation in each person's heart by the Holy Spirit that this is what was wanted at that time. But it came about from waiting upon the Lord. You know, so these people were already baptized in the Holy Spirit, but that still is a feature that needs to be part of our lives at, at times. But now there's also a scripture that says, do not concern yourself with things that are too high for you. So like, not all of us are going to be able to achieve very different levels and different ministries. Uh, so we have to be very well, careful. But there again, as the Spirit leads, uh, we each in ourselves have to know when the Spirit is leading us. So, so very careful well, to go running out the street and, and saying, I'm going to heal this guy because you're going to be put on your dear ear. Well, I think the Lord provides us opportunities uh, if we are yeah, looking, you know, if we're looking for them. And you'll feel that. In, in yes. And, and again, part of what we're doing here is to edify one another, to build up one another, to help each other to grow in the things of the Lord. And... Uh, you know, I'm not saying that all of you are going to walk out of here for, you know, and heal somebody today. Uh, but uh, you know, here's something that I think really needs to be an integral part of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. I have a question. Yes. Do you see that um, 
the spirit can be with us sometimes, but not with us other times. Like it's a spirit come and go, come and go. Like your thoughts may be pure at times, and then and then you, uh, I just pray, Lord, uh, send the spirit to me so that it makes my thoughts clean and pure and stuff like that. But that's because that's we're still sinners. But that's not the spirit that sin. has allowed us to sit. Well, it's maybe, but it. Christ washes us from our sins, and that's why it's so important to continually, uh, as soon as you know that you've sinned, to pray about it. Like, don't leave it for tomorrow yep. or next week. Uh, it immediately uh, come before the Lord, and eventually things start to uh, come out of your life. Like, if I think of all that crap that used to be in me, and, you know, now it's just a, a vague memory, but there's still lots of stuff in me that I hate. But the Lord, the Lord works in us, and He removes things. But it's coming to Him. It's like a little child running to mom. I, I did this. I spilled the milk or whatever. Other kids all go hide. You know, it's coming, coming for the Lord immediately, and that's so important. Well, and you know, you're given our tendency as human beings is to fall away from what we have. Yeah. You know, we have a tendency to, to get pulled away from that. And uh, well, see, loves nothing more than to make us uh, say, look, you, you failed again, you, you know, you're, you're no good, you're, you're you know, you, but Christ, that's why it's so important to come to Christ and say, you know, I have failed. And, and he, 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 he redeems you from these things. <clears throat> Well, we have, we have scriptures that encourage us to keep coming back. You know, Paul says, test yourself to see if you're still in the faith and pray without ceasing. And uh, in this vein of what we're looking at, Ephesians chapter 5 says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the tense of the Greek there in the verb is, is a present, constant, you know, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so it's not just instead of being filled with wine. Yes? Um, maybe just quickly go over the uh, Holy Spirit of salvation and then the Holy Spirit filling. Filled. I'm going to get to that. Okay. Okay, <laughs> um, okay very quickly, let's look just at... One more yes, thing go ahead. The Holy Spirit. Do you, at, do we, at some time say, Holy Spirit, get the devil out of me, or Satan, go away? Is that ever happened to any of you? Or well, if we're looking at thoughts? if we're looking at a Holy Spirit that gives power, and several other places in Scripture, we are told to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Sometimes we may have to say, and I, you know, I've said this sometimes when I've seen something in Scripture, and I'm struggling with that, not sure, you know, can I really do this? Lord, give me the grace. Give me the power to have this enacted within my life. And you know, I, think, I think we have that privilege as children of God to be able to come before his throne of grace in a time of need and to find that he has sympathy with us because he's been tempted at all points like we have and to give us the grace and the power and the strength that we need in those times. Yes, I think that there's a, a difference between them. Um, Having the Spirit and being filled with Spirit, um, like when we're born again, we all receive, we are all partakers of the Spirit of Christ. And that Spirit of God within us works 
always for our sanctification to conform us to the image of Christ. But I think the power that, that Wayne's, maybe I'm wrong, but talking about here is, is, is the power to be witnesses for Christ, to carry on the outward works of Christ, um, like healing the sick, casting out devils, um, preaching the gospel with, with a, a power that that um, is is divine. Um, like I think of when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved. I'd love to see a sermon with that kind of power today. And I, I believe it does happen in, in third world countries when we see big crusades, like men like Reiner Bonke, um, where multiple thousands of people are saved and people are healed uh, and delivered. So I think there is a separation here. Well, and, and again, this is things I'm going to get into from Scripture. Uh, did you have something? When you're saying about the power, or the power of the Holy Ghost, I believe it's there, but it's a matter of accepting it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been given the amazing gift of free will, mm-hmm. which to me is an astounding gift from God, because he has the power to deny that. Uh, I believe anytime you're questioning anything you're doing, that power is right there, but you got you got to take it. When that internet, that, yep. that pornography picture pops up, you got the power to push the lead. Yep. Do you? Well, and that's why I say, you know, you, you Christ has given us the, that power. And turn that off and walk away. Yep. It's there for us to access if we if we want it. And, we're and, still given that free will. Yep. Okay, we're looking at Acts. Acts 2, 1 to 8. Um, I won't, uh, if you just pull it up, uh, it's got a fair bit to, that I'd like to get through yet, so uh, maybe we'll just hit some of the highlights there. Uh, in looking this over, uh, would you say that this is the promise of the Father that Christ gave to his disciples? Yeah, definitely. And uh, it was definitely another comforter. Did power accompany the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit here? Did power accompany the baptism or infilling of the Holy Spirit that we see here in Acts 2? Absolutely, because it's God God, uh, given. And what was the manifestation of the power? How did that work out in practical ways? Definitely, speaking in other tongues. And, and people who were there visiting Jerusalem during that feast time from other countries said, uh, you know, these guys are, are uh, all uh, from Galilee. You know, how, how, do they, how are they able to speak in our, our language, our native language? So that was a miracle. And they heard them praising God through the tongues. Do you see any other evidences of what that power does? What the power of the Holy Spirit does. Peter, 50 days before, denied Christ three three times. Peter went away and hid himself. Peter, after Christ showed himself to the disciples, was so humiliated by what he'd done with Christ, he went back to his fishing. Now, here's a guy who's totally transformed, standing up in in front of thousands of people, preaching the gospel. So the Holy Spirit can bring a radical transformation to someone's life. 
And we certainly see that with, with, uh, with Peter here. And another manifestation we see, and we'll you know, look at this maybe a little bit later, is uh, in verses 37 to 39, 3,000 people were saved that day. So again, a, a miraculous outworking of the power of the Spirit. And they, it wasn't just Peter's preaching the words and the, the facts about Christ's death and resurrection, but it says in verse, uh, uh, verse uh, 37 that they were pierced to the heart, they were pricked. So the Holy Spirit got a hold of them. So there's power here in the Holy Spirit and in his baptism uh, for us. Let's look at uh, Acts chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. Acts 8, 5 to 13. Someone can read that, please. And let's see what is happening here in these verses. Acts 8, 5. Therefore those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was being said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. In the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were being healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. More? Uh, yeah, to 13, sorry. Okay. Yep. Now there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, This man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Even Simon himself believed, and baptized, he continued on with Philip. As he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. Now, when the Okay, that's, that's good. Okay. Just to there. How was the power of the Holy Spirit displayed here? <coughs> miracles. Transformation. Following the preaching of the word by Philip, miracles. And how did the people respond in verse 12? Verse 12? They believed and were baptized, both men and women alike. And even Simon, the sorcerer, came to faith in Christ and was baptized as well. Were these people saved? Yes, sure. Was it the work of the Holy Spirit within them to bring them to that point? Yeah. It had to be. Uh, John 16 uh, says that when the Holy Spirit has come, the Spirit of truth that he, will, he will send, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So it's the, the Holy Spirit that does that work, and they came to faith in Christ, they were baptized. They were Christians by all standards today. Because they repented of their sins. Yeah. That's right. repent continuously. Now let's look at the rest of the story. Yeah. Verses 14 to 19. Now when they were 
apostle who heard Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent on them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. When Simon saw the two laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. You have neither heart nor law in this mind, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this wickedness, and pray God that perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Okay, yep, stop there. There's a teaching that's very prevalent uh, within evangelical and charismatic churches today that when you are saved, you're automatically baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is that what we find out here? What do we find out? And that was? The infilling or baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, they, it was the apostles who came down, and, and this was a concern of the apostles. Okay, these people have been saved, but have they been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I, you know, I think the apostles knew the extreme importance of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that this was the promise from the Father. This is the source of the, their power to be able to do what Christ had commanded them to do. And, and Philip, if we were to look back into to chapter uh, 6, we would find that Philip was one of the deacons uh, that was uh, elected from uh, the midst of the, the uh, disciples to look after the administration of food. And it says that he was full of the Holy Spirit and faith and power. So here he is now, as the disciples are scattered, going out to Samaria preaching, People are being saved. He baptizes them. And the apostles heard about it, sent down Peter and John to lay hands on them so that they might also receive the Holy Spirit. And, and we'll see that, you know, this was a concern for the apostles, that, that, that this was something normative for being a disciple of Christ, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we see here that it is two separate experiences. All right. And how was, how was the power of the Holy Spirit displayed here? And how was the power displayed? This is a bit of a tricky one. We're not told. We're not told. But we are told something that, that does tell us something about the power. We find out that Philip saw or heard something. And it beat out the, it beat out the miracles that he had seen Philip perform. You know, he was, he was amazed at the, the miracles after he came to faith in Christ, he, he will, you know, followed Philip around as he continued to minister and was constantly amazed at the miracles. But now when they are 
uh, filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, here's something that really impacted him to the point where he offered money for it. So he had to see or hear something. And certainly in the other examples, uh, or the first example, and in subsequent examples we'll look at, we'll find that there was a, a speaking in tongues accompanied with that. We can also assume, because of what, what it is, is that being filled with the Holy Spirit, we can do the works of Christ, So, and, and we can't do greater works than Christ other than the abundance of the works. So That's right. it's, it allows us to do, it empowers us to do all the things that the Lord would want us to do. Right. Okay, the next thing we're going to look at is Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 is a little bit of an anomaly when it comes to this issue of baptism in the Holy Spirit. And uh, we'll, we'll look at that. But one thing I, I've learned about God is we can't put him in the box. And we are all individuals, and he deals with us as individuals. And while our experiences in walking with the Lord and coming to the Lord might be similar in a lot of ways, there's a lot of ways in which they differ and are unique to us. And I just stand back at the amazement of what a great God we serve, that he's able to do this. And we see this with, uh, with uh, Cornelius and his household here. Uh, the first few verses, verse 2, he says, He was a man who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. So here was a Jewish convert, a Gentile who was converted to Judaism, who feared God. He served God. He, you know, he was constantly in communication with God, praying and and his heart was open for everything that God would give to him, I, I believe. Starting in verse 44, we see Peter preaching to him prior to this, but while he was still speaking these words in, in Acts 10, 44, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message. He didn't lay hands on them. Mm -hmm. He was preaching about Christ, but I believe they were so hungry and, and in you know, close communion with God prior to this, that as they heard the gospel being preached, they put their faith in Christ, and immediately they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the circumcised believers who were with them, verse 45, uh, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So again, up to this point, it was very much a Jewish church. And the Samaritans, okay, yeah, they're half Jewish, so they're okay. But the Gentiles? You know, Really, God's doing this to the Gentiles. And you know, if you read chapter 10 earlier on, you'll find that God had to do a real work in Peter's heart and his attitude to even get him to go to the house of, of Cornelius. But they, they, verse 46, they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. And then uh, Peter said, can no one refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? And so they were baptized then in water. Uh, so the, the order was somewhat reversed here, uh, but still those three components were there. Faith in Christ, uh, repentance, conversion, uh, baptizing, baptism in water, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. They're all three are separate parts of what call, uh, Christ has called us to as disciples and as his witnesses. And uh, this was repeated again in, in Acts chapter 11, verses 15 and 17, where they were relaying the, the 
experience uh, Cornelius' house to the rest of the apostles, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he did upon us at the beginning. Now, I've heard people say, well, you know, there was no tongues of fire or sound of wind. And that isn't the common thing that's shown here. It was at the first with the initial baptism, but we don't see that throughout any other baptisms uh, that are spoken of. But one thing that is common is the speaking in tongues and often the praising of God or prophesying. Uh, that there's, there's other uh, things that come forth, but the speaking in tongues is a common one through them all. Let's go next to Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. Someone could read that. Acts 19, verses 1 and 2. Okay. Why did Paul ask them this question when he found out they were disciples? Why would that be the first thing he would ask them? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Because they're disciples, they're there to go out. And they can't go out in their own strength. They get to go out in power. And the power is through the Spirit. And this emphasizes what I said earlier, that it was normative for someone who, who was going to follow Jesus Christ to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the d disciples, the apostles, saw this as a separate experience from faith in Christ and <clears throat> baptism, or repentance of faith in Christ and baptism in water. So when they answered, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit, what's the next question? Well, 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 then what were you baptized unto? Yeah. Now, he asked this because if they were baptized in a Christian baptism, they would have been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But they haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. Well, then what were you baptized unto? Unto John's baptism. So they had the baptism of John, which is the baptism of repentance. They had the message that the Messiah was coming and so they had their faith in that, and that was part of the baptism where the Messiah is coming or is here. And now Paul continues to tell them about Christ. So are you, are you saying that if somebody comes to faith in Jesus Christ, trying to get straight yep. somebody comes to faith in Jesus Christ, I would say that they receive the Holy Spirit in its fullness, become children of God, so they receive the Holy Spirit. Well, as I said earlier, I don't think a person can come to faith in Christ without the work of the Holy Spirit because that's part of his work is to convince, uh, convict of sin and bring, bring somebody to faith in Christ. But baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate, is a separate experience. We also have to consider the time, what's going on here. I mean, this is just all happening. So, you know, you can have knowledge of Christ, have the scriptures and everything else, and now the Holy Spirit's coming out and, and all this is taking place. So there is a, you know, now for somebody to to have a, 
thorough knowledge of, of God and not being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I don't think that's possible. Like, you can't really understand it because if the Spirit's not in you, how can you? Well, you know, Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that no one can understand spirit, you know, the natural man can't, can't understand spiritual things. It's only through the Holy Spirit that they can understand spiritual things. And like I said, the Holy Spirit has to be at work in a person's life to bring them to Christ. I don't think his work stops there. No. Okay, there's a, there's a, he takes Christ's place within our lives. That's what Christ said. He's going to, he's with you, but he's going to be in you. But there's a, the separate experience and Christ talked about it in John 7, about the, the living water, that it would be as springs of living water springing up within your soul. And this he spoke of the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given. And this was the promise that was given, was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that opens the door, if I might, it opens the door to a fullness of the Spirit working in us and through us that I don't think is easily achieved without the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Can yes, Ken. Can I say that what you're talking about, in essence, I can understand. Mm -hmm. I can understand as a new believer in Christ, um, wanting to be living in obedience to God and have a deeper relationship. So I've kind of come into his kingdom, I've been called his child, and I have this opportunity to share my faith and in sharing my faith with a brother or with a, a fella, and he becomes a Christian, and we have this amazing experience. And my brother goes out with this new life in Christ, and I just felt I remember the Holy Spirit coming over, and I danced for joy, and I felt this incredible experience of God's presence and His His love. And and I just thought, okay, I've hit something here I don't understand. And I can't put my head around it, but it was an amazing experience. And it was a part of my journey as a Christian. But I'm, I'm just thinking, to me, that was a manifestation of God's Holy Spirit in me I'd never experienced before. But I'd never had it kind of said, well, uh, you know, you haven't gone through, uh, you know, this specific process, but yet I felt very much a powerful presence. And sometimes I guess I get caught up when when people say, well, it's got to happen in this order. This has to happen, then this has to happen. Because sometimes I, I look at my life and I think, God has manifested himself in my life, and there's been no real understanding. But it's interesting that, that now I'm looking at how it was there in scriptures. Yeah. Well, and we have in the book of Acts five accounts of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit. In every one of them, there's the speaking in other tongues. <clears throat> except for the one at, uh, at, at Samaria. We're not told what the manifestation was, but it was something that Simon heard or saw or both, which made him want to offer money for this, even though he hadn't offered money for the other miracles you know, that he'd seen. Um, we are told that in the last days, the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon all flesh. So are you saying that that, in essence, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? No. Let me, I, I believe it's a partial fulfillment. Uh, with a lot of prophecies, there's a partial now and a fuller one later. 
And one big example of that is Christ. Come as the Messiah. And this is, this is why the disciples went to pieces when Christ was crucified, because their idea of a Messiah, and based on Scripture, was that he was going to set up his kingdom here on earth, and he was going to deliver them from their enemies and the oppression of the Romans in their minds. And that didn't happen. And it still hasn't happened. But there's coming a time when it will happen in fullness. And so, uh, you know, if you look at Acts chapter 2, where uh, Peter uh, preaches to the, the crowds there, that's one of the first things he started. You know, we're not drunk as you might think we are. We might look drunk because we're dancing around and, and we're just filled with, with joy in, uh, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but we're not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. But this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so definitely a partial fulfillment, but not a full fulfillment of it. And I'm gonna, we've got one minute to go to 8 o'clock. I'm going to ask for some permission here. Uh, I would like to suggest that maybe we you know, take what we've looked at, and we, we think about it, we pray about it, uh, till next week, and maybe could I continue next week, mm -hmm. if that's okay with sure. David? And, and... Okay, sure. seems to be a consensus. So, because I, I, you know, there's there's a whole lot more to this, and and it's not just a, it's not just an experience for the experience. Okay, it's an experience, uh, and it's not necessarily a one-time experience. Okay, we just uh, Acts, Acts 2, we see them baptized in the Holy Spirit. We see them going and preaching in the name of Jesus, getting arrested and told by the authorities, you've got to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And in Acts uh, chapter uh, 4, we see them gathering together again and saying, Lord, give us, you're the great God, give us boldness for this. And the Holy Spirit was, uh, poured out upon them again. And they went out and spoke the word with boldness. boldness. So it's, it's uh, you know not necessarily a one-time thing, but it I think it is uh, a necessary thing that uh, if we want to have the fullness of what God offers to us. So let's end this today. <laughs> we uh, have to always do battle with the clock. Yes. There are some here that have to be someplace. Yeah. So uh, thank you. And then. We'll do it another week. We'll extend it another week. Thank you. And we'll go from there. And, and if any of you uh, maybe haven't been able to follow those and you want the uh, scriptures, uh, you can email me at uh, pastor at gatm.ca and uh, stands for Grace and Truth Ministries.ca. Uh, and if you want that after, then fine, I can, I can you know, forward those to you. I don't want to wait another week for this <laughs> <laughs> Well, like BD said, some of us have to be places and. and uh, What's it worth to you? <laughs> 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 Sell everything that you've got. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just going to need my job. <laughs> oh, I have an announcement. Um, the opening on the door, grand opening, is next. Sunday the 26th, 2 to 5. That's down in the new location. The door. The door mm -hmm. new center. Yeah. Open. The drop is in. Yeah. The youth drop is in. The door will open. It's right behind the post. Yeah.